0: It's a murder mystery that has captured the country. Gabby Petito was a 22-year-old woman from New York State. She was found dead in Wyoming almost two weeks ago. Her boyfriend and one-time fiancé is Brian Laundrie. Laundrie drove from Wyoming to the state of Florida to be with his parents and then He disappeared several days ago. Janine Pirro is my guest, host of Justice with Judge Janine on the Fox News Channel, and welcome. It's nice to see you. Good to be here, Bill. You're a former state judge
1: in New York, prosecutor as well, and you are looking for justice. What happened here? Well, I think it's, it's pretty obvious he killed her. And, uh, you know, people will say you can't say that until a jury says it, uh, that there is proof beyond a reasonable doubt. But as a, a an assistant DA and a, the elected DA uh, for three terms, uh, you don't bring people uh, to trial because you think they're innocent. You bring people to trial because you think they're guilty. I believe that the evidence is very clear that not only is Brian Laundrie responsible for the death of Gabby Petito, but that he is is uh responsible for delaying notification uh of her whereabouts and not cooperating and the words of his attorney uh kind of ring in the back of my mind all the time uh, his attorney who says uh you know the the uh, laundry family wants to be in the background well that's such hogwash because the only people who know anything are the laundry family remember Bill she lived with uh mm-hmm. Gabby lived with Brian and his family for a year before they went on this trip. So she was a member of their family as well. He comes back on September 1 with Gabby's van with no Gabby. No one says anything. He's mowing the lawn. He's riding his bicycle. His parents do something very unusual. They buy an embedded camper for their pickup truck and within a few days they take a camping trip with their 23-year-old son. That was an opportunity for them to Either get rid of evidence or to assess a place where he might go or to get things that he might need to go away. The fact that they allege that he went hiking on September 14th, which they didn't tell us until September 17th, in the Carlton Reserve, was just a distraction. Where the family tried to mislead police, law enforcement, and Gabby's family. Remember, Gabby has a mother and a father and a stepfather as well. That was intentional obstruction. How did they know if he really went hiking? How did they know when to go get his Mustang, where he would leave his Mustang, to bring the Mustang home, and then claim, oh, our son is missing? No, your son is not missing. Your son is on the lamb. Mm. And all we know is that you are not speaking, you're traveling with him, you're buying an embedded camper, which is highly unusual when they were using her van to camp. And now we're left with this question of where she is. We know now she's in Wyoming, but how she died.
0: Yeah, and how she died. Let's discuss that now. Terrific setup, by the way. Um, It has captured the imagination of millions of people because we want to try and figure this out. They have not released the cause of death.
1: Well, because why uh, not? Well, first of all, understand there is the manner of death and there is the cause of death. The manner of death is something they say very early on. The manner can be an accident, suicide, natural or homicide. Now, if they weren't sure that it was a homicide, they would say undetermined. They were clear from the first time they saw that body. This was a homicide that tells me that there is blunt force trauma. Or that there is, and and let me be clear, Bill, I started the first domestic violence unit in the nation in 1978. I know this issue like the back of my hand. I have fought as our culture and our society changed its views of battered women. All right. This kind of homicide is very personal. A strangulation is very common. A beating uh, beyond recognition is very common. The emotion is very high. The reason we don't know the cause of death, which is the last thing that tells us what caused her death, uh, is because they are doing toxicology reports. They're doing all kinds of scientific analysis in a lab that will tell them without a doubt that the cause of death was. They can look at her and say, it looks like a strangulation. She's got hyoid, the uh, bone is fractured. She's got, you know, petite hemorrhaging in her eyeballs. I mean, all that. But they maybe it was an overdose. They've got to have all that stuff checked, check, check, before they come out and give a cause of death. So
0: I don't know what is happening inside of this home in Florida. But By the way, the way I understand it, they were high school sweethearts yep. from Long Island, New York, His family moved to Florida first. Right. She then joined them several, a couple of years later, yeah. and they were engaged. I, I do believe at some point, and perhaps during this trip to Wyoming. I well, mean, they, that's sort of the background of the two.
1: They were engaged, but what I find interesting, Bill, is that they said, "Well, marriage was kind of not really on the on the front burner; that they were just going to deal with that later." So it's almost like they pulled back from the engagement, uh, and I thought that was very curious. Um, well, so, they, they're young. They're too I, young. Uh,
0: okay. Uh, I mean, he's 22 also, I believe. He's 23. Right? 23, okay. 23. And she is 22. Yeah. What is happening inside that home in Florida? There were 46 911 calls between September 10th, the day before Gabby went missing, and September 27th.
1: Well, what we do know, Bill, is that there were two calls on September t- Tenth. That's the day before Gabby's mother reported her missing by the father of Gabby, one around four o'clock and one about 630. That tells me that there's some tension now building between Gabby's father and the laundries. That's the day before. So I'm assuming and I have no basis for this. I'm assuming they're saying, where is Gabby? Tell us where Gabby is. I'm going to come there myself. Where is Gabby? So the police are called, but they're not giving us any further information. And for good reason, that's part of what is going on in terms of the creation of the criminal case. The next day, there are three nine one one calls by the mother. Gabby's mother. And then on the 14th, 15th, 16th, Gabby's mother has lost it now. She knows her daughter is missing. She's fighting with them. The father's fighting with them. Where's our Gabby? And they finally report her missing on September 11th. And at that point, uh, you know that there's an internal fight between her parents and his parents.
0: Very interesting. So they've got the 911 calls, and they can use that as evidence as well as they go through this.
1: Yeah, and what's clear... What will be very interesting, Bill, is what the laundries say. We don't know. Our son came without her. She decided to stay there. I mean, they could say a million things in response to the September 10th call by the father or the September 11th 911 call. There's a lot of information, which is why they're redacted and why we're not seeing them. One thing that's a
0: little bit unusual about this case is the amount of body cam video. Yeah. That took place in eastern Utah, in the town of Moab, back on the 12th of August. And I say a lot of video because there were two officers and then two park rangers, all four wearing body camera. Mm-hmm. And when they were called to the scene, that I think that police stop may have lasted an hour and a half. And well, so you can watch all of this and... You can see the questions, you can see the answer, and Mm -hmm. just this week, there was a new piece of video released, and on it, he says, I pushed her away, she got really worked up, and then she took a swing, she had her cell phone in her hand, I was just trying to push her away. She describes, eventually, as these officers seemingly pull out the information from her with Mm -hmm. repeated questioning, Mm -hmm. that he struck her in some way.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting as you as you go through the number of people who responded and the cameras, the body cams that these cops are wearing, which is always a great thing. I've always believed in them, Um, is that things come out later. Initially, the police said we had no idea that that 911 caller called and said that there was a guy slapping a woman around. Okay, that's what the Moab police in Utah first said. And I said baloney. There's no way the dispatcher sent them out without telling them why she was sending them out, that strangers took it upon themselves to call 911. So they knew from the 911 that she had been slapped according to the witnesses who don't get involved in these cases, Bill. I mean, I don't need to remind you of Kitty Genovese in Queens where people pulled down their shades and turned up their radios as a man stabbed a woman to death, everyone thinking in the Kitty Genovese case it was a husband and wife fighting. Okay, people don't get involved in these cases. So, We hear weeks later that, oh, yeah, the dispatcher did tell them that there was an eyewitness who saw him hitting her. So now we've got more information coming out now where she says, yes, oh, he only held my face in his hand and he caught me with his nail and my face burns, the side of my face burns. But before she says that, looking at her face, the cop said, did something happen to your face, to your cheek? She still had a mark on her, and you know if you've been punched or slapped, that burns. Okay, and those cops knew what was going on or should have known because there is a mandatory arrest policy in virtually every state in this country. In addition to Utah, where the police under the Utah code are required to make an arrest in any of these cases, their call is to protect the victim and enforce the law. And if a police officer has, quote, probable cause to believe there will be continued violence against the alleged victim. Victim, the officer shall arrest and take the perpetrator into custody there is no option he must arrest shall means must this is not at all unusual so I think the police were doing what they were supposed to do but they didn't dig deep enough it is not unusual for the battered woman or the abused woman to say oh you know I hit him first or oh you know I deserved it or oh dinner wasn't on time or it's not what he liked. I got 40 years background in this. This is what women do. And cops, for the most part, know it. And they get to the bottom line of who the primary aggressor is. And the primary aggressor is not the person necessarily who says, I hit him. The cop should have known as soon as he said, I don't have time to defend myself against this. Mm. Right then and there, there's a controlling man who's got her van who will not let her into the van, who's got her phone, who will not get her phone back she just wants to keep going and they don't do anything about uh, it
0: so do you think the police screwed up
1: i'm not going to say they screwed up because i still don't know everything that they know
0: why do they dribble that information out my why, why does that evidence come out in a, in a trickle or if an well, intrepid reporter gets it
1: you know why bill police are not police, and i did that i was in law enforcement for 32 years we're not worried about what the press thinks Okay, we're worried about putting our case together, and if the press gets something, fine. But we're not over there saying we got to give this to the press, we got to give that to the press. In fact, what we may be saying is, don't give it to the press because I want to see how this works out in terms of the suspect and his family or Uh the witnesses. You know, we're not, we don't let everything out. This stuff is probably coming out by itself, where the police haven't necessarily asked.
0: Okay, so let's clear up a few things here because the police report says. That they had him stay in a hotel that night. Right, right. And I guess she stayed in the van yeah. or in the camper. So right. the, the police did separate them. In addition, the police report said when asked, neither one of them wanted to file charges against the other, which I don't think is uncommon.
1: Is very common. First of all, she's afraid to say what he's done because she knows he's going to hit her again. What is the point of separating them for a night if they're only going to get back in that van? And what is the point of people you know who get on air and say, oh, you know, domestic violence laws weren't created for people traveling through a state. They were created for people who live there. That's such hogwash. It's dangerous. You know, there's a lot of mistaken information out there. And the fact. Is that what makes them think that they're going to be any less volatile tomorrow?
0: Yeah. yeah. There are two U.S. park rangers. The video has not been released, so there will be more. Yeah, right. Maybe they have a different angle of it right? or a different comment, just like we found uh, this past week. What is going on with this camping trip that the parents and the son take? <laughs> to this uh, place in the Gulf of Mexico on the west coast of Florida.
1: Yeah. Why were they doing that? Um... I don't know, but what I can tell you is this. It was, they bought an embedded camper to put on their pickup truck last minute within a couple of days after he comes home without Gabby Petito. There is a connection to this thing, all right? They went there either to get rid of something, in the Gulf of Mexico, or to case something in the Gulf of Mexico, or to buy something. And then, you know, we don't even know. Um, they say that he went camping on the uh, 14th. Is that, yeah, that he went uh, hiking in Carlton Reserve. I don't even know if he was at Carlton Reserve then. None of us know mm-hmm. that for sure. They may have left him out there. I don't know. Well, now, as of this conversation,
0: it's the 1st of October, and the FBI has been back to the home several times. I, I don't know what they're looking for. I don't know what they're delivering. I don't know if they're talking with the parents. Would you imagine they are?
1: The lawyers indicated he, does, he represents the parents, and he doesn't want the FBI talking to them. You know, once a lawyer has entered the scene uh-huh. and says, I don't want you talking to them, they can't talk to them without the express permission of the lawyer.
0: You're listening to Hammer Time with Judge Janine Pirro.
2: That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services.
0: Our conversation continues now with Judge Jeanine Pirro. Check her out Saturday nights, 9 o'clock on Justice on the Fox News channel. Did you see this piece in the Washington Post this past week? Which one? It's titled Missing White Girl Syndrome Hurts Us All. As if to suggest stories like these get far too much attention in the media. Right. Do they have a point?
1: I think they do have a point. And, you know, one of the things that that I remember is we found, when I was first the DA, we found a body without a head. Uh, And this was probably 1994. And I remember calling the New York Times because I wanted some help. I was trying to figure out who it was. My investigators come in and they say, we got a body. And they said, well, do you think it was someone famous? And I, it struck me just the way it struck you, the way you turned your head, Bill. I just realized it was a different ball game. that the press is only interested in, in either high profile or certain kinds of victims. They're not interested in all victims, and that's why it's important that we have equal justice for all, that the color of the skin doesn't matter whether you're the victim or the defendant, that the skin color and, and poverty level it has nothing to do with whether you're rich or poor. But I'll tell you what, when you're rich... Just like Robert Durst, and that was my case. The Robert Durst case was another one of my cases where money got him 25 years of freedom. And we have to level the playing field in criminal justice as it relates to, you know, putting our resources into fine victims. I did because that's who I was. I did with illegals. I said to illegals, it doesn't matter if you're legal. If you're a victim, I'm going to protect you.
0: Mm, well stated. Back to the case at hand. He returned to that house on the 1st of September. This is the house where she lived. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it strike you as, uh, as if there was an overwhelming lack of curiosity as to where
1: Gabby was? There wasn't an overwhelming lack of curiosity. He came home and it was clear she was gone. She was dead. He had her van. What the hell was he doing with her van without her?
0: But it takes 10 days
1: before the family to report her missing. But what we know now is that the family was arguing with the laundry family, that the Petitos were arguing with them. That's what was the, the, the genesis of the 911 calls, September 10th and 11th. I mean, they may have said, and that's why we don't know what, but what that's, other that's calls were. that's a week were. and a half. Our daughter lives with you. You were on a trip across the country. Maybe. Where is she? Well... Look, I I'm not going to put blame on anybody as it relates to, you know, maybe they said she's out swimming. Who knows? That's why the phone calls are so important. That's why those calls are we're not reading them. The law enforcement has them and they should keep them quiet. Yeah.
0: Two final questions here. Really appreciate your time. Why do you think this case has captured the imagination of so many?
1: Well, first of all, I think that when her father and her stepfather fo- both came out way right in the beginning and they said, "Please, please" We don't want you to forget us. Please, please. I mean, they somehow they got in front of a, 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 of a camera and they got the attention and then it exploded. And everyone said, no, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. These kids are kind of well-to-do kids. They have a van. They're going cross country. Uh, and, and uh, you know, people see their kids in these two kids. And it just struck a chord. Mm-hmm. But there are, there are tens of thousands of cases like this of missing young girls. Of, of, of young men who kill women that we never find. I mean, that's what I did my whole career. Yeah. You know, but I'll tell you one thing. The first day I was DA, when I was getting sworn in, there was a guy who was hammering a woman to death. She was a uh, Hearst from the publication uh, um, a company and very, very wealthy. Manhattan or... They lived in Bronxville. Okay. So just north of the city. Yeah, in the county where I was DA, Westchester County. And uh, he hammered her to death. And the three-year-old said he was painting Mommy red, okay? And uh, we had a nationwide manhunt. We looked all over for him. Nationwide. He jumped off the Tappan Zee at midnight on New Year's Eve. And we didn't find him until four months later when his body, you know, rolled up to shore. So you never know if they're dead or alive. I think he's clearly alive. I think that there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, organization, a lot of planning that went into his going out on the lamb. He is not missing. He is on the lamb. Wow.
0: Final question: how, how how do you
1: find the patience for justice? Oh, you always get justice. In the end, you always get it. I never worry about that. Robert Durst, I first heard his name in 1999. And last week, he was convicted of the murder I was convinced he committed. And I called the uh, uh, the DA in L.A. I called Bill Bratton when he was police commissioner in L.A. This is when I was the DA. And I said, you got him. You got him. You got Durst. You got him for that murder. Uh-huh. And it happened couple weeks ago.
0: You had to wait a long time. It was worth waiting mm-hmm. for. Thank you, Judge. Terrific conversation. We'll see what we get in Florida. Thank you, Jeanine Bill. Janine Pirro, UPAT. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time.